Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get rattled, he just goes till the sun goes down. Hello and welcome to Food Chat. Food Chat is all about connecting you with your food. Your host, Greg Bloom with Barber Foods, and I'm his sidekick, Jackson Lamb from Metropolitan State University of Denver. And we meet uh, weekly, and all of our broadcasts can be found on our website at foodchat.us. Today, we are delighted to have John Addison and Ashley Walsh from the Colorado Department of Agriculture. So, John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Very good. Thank you. And, Ashley, we have to give you the same acknowledgement. Welcome to the show. We're going to have some fun for the next 30 minutes. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, listen, I'll get things started here. Um, So, uh, John, why don't I start with you? Um, can you tell our listeners, what does the markets division do? Can you tell us the scope of your work in the, the markets division? Um, within, the markets division is really a small segment within the Colorado Department of Ag. Most of the Colorado Department of Ag is regulatory, but we have a small division, and that is really to help our Colorado ranchers, our farmers, and our food processors help market their product, both regionally, nationally, and international. So we're just a small team, but that is our focus. We try to give back to our community and our industries. Very good. Thank you so much. Hey, John, before we get uh, too far down the road, why don't you just back up a minute and tell us a little bit about your background. And for our listeners that don't know about uh, what a Department of Agriculture does and what a markets division does. You just explain what the marketing divisions do, but just tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll ask the same question uh, uh, to Ashley. Sure. Um, I come from an industry background, so for about 15 years, I had a business doing textiles and apparel. And to use uh, surfing parlance, uh, you know, I rode the wave uh, during those years and had a great time and success doing so. This is my opportunity, I feel, to give back. And if I can help other companies uh, spot those waves or maybe even help them get on the wave, that's what really gets me up and going every morning. Mm. Uh, So I love what I do, and I've been doing this about 10 years now. Um, And basically, I I love every, every year I continue doing this. That's great, John. And, you know, I um, uh, just love your... Colorado accent, uh, you know, that must be derived from, like, uh, some uh, highlands in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an import. I'm, what can I say? I'm an import. Yeah, but I'm you're passionate Colorado. about Colorado companies and helping them learn to export. We'll, we'll get into the details later. Hey, Ashley, uh, just to you uh, real quick, tell us about your background. Sure. Well, I'm not an import. <laughs> I'm originally from the San Luis Valley. I grew up on a potato farm. And uh, I love everything potato still. So I really enjoy working with those guys and all of the other food and ag companies around the state. I went to CU Boulder and studied international business and also CU Denver. So now I work for the Department of Ag and I've been there about eight years. Very good. Hey, Ashley, 
Didn't we meet yeah. last year or two years ago up in northern Colorado when we were looking at the bean uh, crop coming up at uh, Steve Winter's farm? Yeah, we sure did. We were able to go out and visit some beans and see the harvest and uh, see how they were processing, too, in the mills there. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great day, and uh, again, that was all uh, videotaped. I showed that video in my urban vegetable farming class this past uh, week. So my students really oh, enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. And you looked absolutely great in the video. So very good. So, um, <laughs> oh, thanks. excellent. So, uh, I'll go to the next one here. Um, Ashley, how do you identify Colorado food companies that want to export? Well, really we're, re- we're interested in working with anyone. Um, primarily it's small and medium sized companies, though we do work with some of the larger companies around Colorado. But if a company is interested in um, expanding their business regionally, nationally, internationally, we're really excited to get them on board, get them involved in our programs. We have different resources for different levels of companies. We have our Colorado Proud program, which is more on the local side. And then John and I kind of take them from there and introduce them, help them source ingredients, or help them grow to where they can compete nationally but also internationally. So we're really interested in working with anyone that's a food company. Um, we really try to get our, our word out there, message, and try to get more and more involved every year. So we'll take anyone, and we're excited to work with everyone. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. I just love what you two do because uh, you really help food manufacturers, food brands, uh, Colorado food companies that are usually small or medium-sized, but they may be making a great product here in the state or even national distribution, and they want to learn how to export, but they don't know where to get started. In the, in the, it's an expensive proposition to, on your own, go do a trade show overseas and pay for the booth and then the booth design and then the travel, and then how do you follow up? So, And how do you get meetings while you're there? You help with all of that. But, John, I have a question for you is why would a company, a Colorado food company, or, or later we'll talk about if, what, what if they're not in the state of Colorado, but why would a food company want to be thinking about exporting? I think it's vital, actually. I mean, you know, your company can stay small. You can find a niche, um, and you can stay, you know, local to Colorado, which is great if you can find that niche and if you're happy with that niche. But typically, most companies, in order to survive over time, they must grow. And it's a simple fact, you know, 95% of your market is either national or international. It lies outside the Colorado boundaries. So if you want to grow, you've got to really look at that market. Um, Another really good idea is this. If you've got, say, you're doing barbecue sauce or a hot sauce or a salsa, and you're trying to get on a Colorado shelf at Kroger, King Supers, or Safeways, you might be one of four or 500 companies trying to find that shelf space. That's a tough proposition. But if you go to somewhere like Panama or Costa Rica or maybe even Canada, you just might be only one of six companies trying to compete for that shelf space. Your odds are much better. And finally, if you are not looking for an export market, pretty much guarantee that your competitors are. So in order to survive, you need to expand your outlook. You start locally, then you move regionally and nationally, and finally, hopefully, international. 
Right. I love how you are both very strategic when you help food companies think about exporting. You you explain what you just said and then help them kind of key in on a market to try. And, you know, you never know until you try. But, uh, yeah, so, so I have found that, you know, you're just like you said, John, some, sometimes it's just so crowded here, uh, the, the shelf space or the kind of companies competing for what you're what you're trying to do, but yeah, you can export and maybe find a, a nice niche. So, Ashley, I'm going to ask you about what factors does a food brand or a food company need to consider before they, uh, you know, want to export? What would you say? Well, I think John touched on it a little bit, but we like companies to, even if you're not ready in the moment, really think about it for the future. Don't ever rule it out. It may not be where you are right now, or you may not be ready but you can, you can get to that point and you can work for it and just to keep that door open. So a few things to think about when you're just trying to, to get into that door, I would say, is definitely your shipping, some of your costs, maybe where your um, supply chain is at. The shelf life of a product is definitely something that we consider in international marketing and international markets is because um, if, it's trying to get, if it's a product that needs to go pretty far or if you're trying to enter into Asia, it could be a challenge, and you need to make sure that the product is going to be still at the same quality that you want it to be when it gets to the end user. Um, another thing, too, is just kind of the production size. You don't have to be big. You don't have to produce a lot, but you just need to know that if you are trying to get into a larger retailer, you might have to hit, hit some of those productions. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the route that you're going to take. You can, as we mentioned before, find a niche, and you don't have to necessarily produce a ton to export. You just have to find the market that's going to fit what you're trying to accomplish. So just to plan that out a little bit and, and think about the product that you have and who you're trying to reach. Uh, actually, that is terrific. So with the previous comments we've heard, I'm assuming that we've got to have a certain amount of high volume in order to be successful doing this, correct? It can be, but it doesn't have to be. We have some companies who produce a really high-quality product, and there's a market for that in international markets. So they'll pay a little bit more for a really high-quality U.S. Colorado product, and it may be a little less uh, volume. So it doesn't necessarily have to be high volume. We do see some of that with commodity items, beans, corn, things like that, where it's better to have a little bit higher volume. But um, when we come down to our value-added products, that's not always the case. Yeah, my experience, actually, when was, I was working with you guys initially trying to export some Colorado beef was the logistics was tough because it needed to be kept refrigerated or frozen uh, over the pond, if it's going to the EU or you know to South America. So if they weren't going to order a container load, which they usually weren't, they were going to order a pallet or two. Logistics were pretty tough and expensive to get a pallet or two. So people need to think, like you mentioned, about how they're going to get it there. But then when I kind of switched over to Colorado dry beans, oh, now I had a shelf-stable product. Much easier to get uh, a couple pallets down to Laredo or to a border town. And then also they buy full containers or rail cars. So it wasn't uh, them just looking for a pallet or anything like that. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's uh, important to, as you said, just think about how you're going to accomplish that. So sometimes we try to uh, um, get companies to work together and, and consolidate. And that way you have more volume um, and without having to increase the volume of your specific product. So there's opportunity and there's ways to work together to, to accomplish this. 
Excellent. Hey, Ashley, for the most part, when we're trying to enter a, a, a market in Southeast Asia or in China, uh, I would assume everything is being shipped by boat? Um, for the most part, that is true. However, air freight is definitely an option. Um, if the product is a little bit more time crunch, they ship air, cargo air, um, and that gets there in about a fraction of the time. It's a little bit more expensive, which is going to add to the cost of your product when it arrives. So that's why most companies ship by boat. So that's majority of it is correct, yeah. Thank you, Ashley. Hey, John, what countries do you think are good targets for food companies to consider exporting to? Hmm, good question. Okay, let's uh, take it by the numbers, I guess. So if you're starting to export, um, you know, logistically-wise, you know, Canada is a great market. It's close. Mexico is a great market. It's close. And we also have the United States free trade agreements with both Canada and Mexico, so it does simplify it. Also, Canada, for example, has a lot of the same tastes that America does. So those are two easy countries to export to. Once you start getting further afield, it gets a little bit more complex. Uh, Central America, the Caribbean, has been a very, very good export for Colorado companies. Um, Europe has been a good export market, but again, it's further away, a longer logistics trail, but it's a growing and increasing market for us, especially the UK. When we go out to the Asia, the Pacific Rim, Yes, now it starts to get quite far distance away. You're looking at time and transit for goods. You're looking at increased costs from container shipping, overland shipping. But each market has different needs and different wants. So there's two things, two ways to look about it. One is what is logistically easiest for you to do as a company. But secondly, when you look at each country or each zone in the world, each of those zones has particular needs. One zone, for example, Asia, they might like uh, you know, a different commodity more than another commodity. They may be more beef-centric or lamb or bison or pork uh, versus Europe that might be more on the condiment side, on the beverage side, or Canada that's more on the healthy, natural side. So different countries want different things from the United States. But the complexity, the further away you go, the more difficult it gets. But if it was easy, monkeys would do it. But it is possible. Right. John, that's a great uh, closing line there. Hey, uh, Ashley, <coughs> let me uh, kick this one over to you. Where does the funding come from that you use to help promote these Colorado companies? Primarily the funding that we get is federal funds from the SBA, or uh, USDA funds, um, in addition to our own Colorado State funds. So our Colorado, um, we do have a good um, support from the governor and from our uh, local state for this. So um, it's definitely built in to help companies grow, and we want to keep doing that. So we apply for grants, and we apply for a, a, a bunch of different funding sources. That's great. You know, and uh, as I've done trade shows with you internationally in the past few, um, I've noticed that a lot of countries spend money 
uh, from the public coffer, the taxpayer dollar on helping export, not just the United States does this, but it's amazing some of the countries, Germany, I mean, you just name one, they do it. And it's really cool that we live in a state that is very active and has two people on staff, yourselves, uh, that, that help do this. So it's really a cool opportunity for, for companies to take advantage of. But John, what is the scope of what you do as far as like helping a Colorado company learn to export? How do you, how do you really go about it and are there some companies you say, you know, you're just not ready yet. You need to do this and this before, you know, you think about exporting? Good question. I mean, I'd first off say this. You know, when you're a company and you're getting started, you're going from the kitchen sink, then you're going to a few local stores regionally, nationally, etc., and you're growing. You're having to do this all by yourself. You're having to take your bumps, your lumps. You're having to learn as you go a little bit different when it comes to exporting, whether it's national or international. You've got Ashley and I and other people there to help you do it. And that's a huge, huge difference. So when I made a joke about, you know, if it was easy, monkeys could do it. Um, yes, it is a little bit hard to export, but you've got the help to do that. Um, when should you be looking at exporting? I really think that every company, once you start selling into regional stores, um, getting that regional outlook, every company should have an export plan in their back pocket or should be exploring the market. And we help our companies in numerous ways. We, get, uh, we have some contractors working for us overseas. We have our foreign ag service in each country and our embassies helping us on the ground with intelligence. We get buyers, distributors, and brokers contacts worldwide. We actually export about $2 billion a year to about 130 countries around the world. And you've got a lot of help doing that, whether it's from federal funds or it's from our own ag funds here in Colorado. But typically, we will take our companies out on trade missions. We will do outbound missions targeting a specific country. Or we will do a trade show in a foreign country. Or sometimes we even bring buyers in from overseas into Colorado to meet with our Colorado companies. And most importantly of all, we're here as a resource for you. Um, we're here as a resource if you want to find out about exporting or sales, whether it's in food service or retail. We're just here to help you any which way we can. That's great, John. You know, um, Ashley, I'd like to kick this one back to you. Wow, $2 billion a year in exports, that's fantastic. You know, without promoting any one company, what are examples of products that we ship? You know, and before you answer, of course, we're talking to the Colorado Department of Agriculture, and my original thought was, it's beans, it's carrots, it's onions, it's all ag products. But I'm very curious, uh, we have a huge craft beer industry. Does any of that stuff get shipped uh, abroad? Beer, cider, wine, liquor, all of those industries are growing. Or are most of our exports really uh, on the food side between condiments and fresh ag products? Yeah, that's a great question, and we get that a lot because when you think of agriculture, as you mentioned, you think of beef and cattle and carrots. But we really help anything from crackers, cheeses, salsas, to wine, beer, spirits, um, all the way to, yeah, so it's a really wide variety, and we're very lucky in Colorado to have a, a really great group of companies. So we work with probably over 200 companies a year. Um, our largest export is definitely remains to be beef. 
but we really try to focus on the value added and the um, vegetables and the beer. As you mentioned, that's a, a really up and coming industry for export. We export a lot of beer, um, so it really can depend. And we we work mostly with those types of companies, the value added. So we, yeah, it's a great opportunity for those types of companies in agriculture. Ashley, I've got a very personal question. What countries are accepting our beer? I think I'm going to put that on my vacation list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, right now we send a lot of beer through Europe. So um, our we have really high quality, a lot of fun flavors, and they they have a complementary product. So you would think that Europeans know how to drink and make beer, but really the, the product is a little bit different. So we are able to to complement them and have our a different flavor with the, some of the U.S. types of beers. Um, but I would say, yeah, into Belgium and the Netherlands, uh, Germany, up into Sweden, it's a really hot market for our beer products. <laughs> Ashley, that's fantastic news. I, you know, I can't wait to go to Europe and have a, a fat tire or a Odell's 90 shilling. Wonderful. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Hey, John, we have a lot of listeners to this radio show and the podcast outside of Colorado. So if they're listening outside of Colorado and they are interested in learning about how to export their food brand, uh, how would they go about finding help in their state or their region? 50,000 foot level, they can go to their state regional trading groups. Um, the, The USDA... They saw all these countries at trade shows like Argentina, Italy, etc., uh, have these massive pavilions at trade shows. And they said, well, how can we help our, our companies in the U.S.? But they didn't want, you know, 200,000 individual companies calling the USDA saying, yes, please, I want help. So they split the country into four, and they told, in fact, they, they told associations to make up their own uh, groups. You know, you see you have... United States Meat Export Corporation, you have U.S. Potatoes, you have Washington Apple. So they formed their groups and they get federal money. And for all others, like value-added goods, they split the country into four, into regions, and they created this state regional trading group. So in the West, it's called WUSATA, uh, Western United States Agricultural Trade Association. In the South, it's called SUSTA. In the Midwest, we have FoodEx. And on the New England states, we had Foodex Northeast. So you've got those state regional trading groups that will help companies with their exports and export activities. And then drilling down, you have the states, individual states that help their companies. I'm very proud to say that in Colorado, we really are at the forefront of the top states that really put in the effort and the money to help our Colorado companies export. So you've got all those resources at your fingertips. But we also have a foreign ag service, and they are uh, embassy staff on most major countries around the world. There's a dedicated ag staff to help our, help our companies export and answer questions. So there's a lot of resources out there, including our trade partners like the SBA and other entities. Great, John. Thank you. That's a very thorough explanation. I appreciate that. That is absolutely huge. You know, John, I just, uh, I've got curious here with all of the things that we've talked about. What if somebody has a non-food product? What if we have, you know, somebody building uh, something mechanical or it's clothing or something along those lines? Would they go through your department or is there another department that they would go through to help with exporting? 
there would be another department. I mean, we are pretty far-ranging. Um, for agriculture, we help, for example, we help livestock. We help meats. We help grains, produce, wine, beer, spirits, value-added foods. Um, so we'll help the whole range. If it's food or drink, if it's farmed, if it's ranched, if it's grown, we will help them. We will also delve into things made with agricultural product. It could be like hemp, hemp fibers, or it could be wool, little wool and stuff like that. It could be food ingredients. But outside of that, that is where we stop. That's our limit. Um, if you're doing machinery, for example, you can go to the commerce department. So again, just like we have ag people in our foreign embassies, we also have our Department of Commerce. And they are also in the embassies international. So we have a local office here in Denver, Colorado, Department of Commerce. So please contact them. Yes, you've got machinery, equipment. We've also got an Office of Economic Development in Denver. And they do a lot of technology, et cetera. So, you know, contact ODET, our Office of Economic Development in Denver, or our Department of Commerce. Very good, John. Thank you so much. Hey, hey Ashley, uh, if someone is listening to this show and they are part of a food brand, or maybe they have someone they know in their friend group or family group that's part of a food brand made in Colorado, and they really kind of want to know more, uh, this show has piqued their interest, but what, what's the best way for them to take that next step and learn how your department can help them? Um, I would suggest to reach out to us directly. We're um, hopefully pretty easy to find, but we um, can share the information. And we'll we'll chat with them one-on-one, hear what they have going on, hear where they're at in their business, and then see just chat with them to get a good feeling and make some recommendations, start with some research maybe, but then kind of fill them in on what we have going on and see what they might be a good fit for. So just reach out to us. We'd love to, to chat with anyone and um, really, yeah, just share our information however we can. Great. Well, we've, also got our, well, we've also got our Colorado Proud as well. So if you're local and you're looking like saying going from your kitchen sink to your farmer's market, your farmer's market to your first retail sales or food service, you know, contact Danielle at our Colorado Proud because she can help you from there. Where Ashley and I transition over is when you start to go regional, national, international. But we have our Colorado Proud division, so we're a very small team, but we get it done. Very good. John, I like the way that you really paint the picture of Somebody starting out, they're working out of their kitchen sink, and then they're moving up to a bigger volume and then into higher volume. And that really is the way that businesses grow. That, that's a great explanation. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, John and Ashley, we're already out of time. Thank you so much for coming on this episode of Food Chat, where our mission is to help people get reconnected to their food. And we talk about all kinds of food uh, production stories and today, how to export your food brand. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Food Chat Radio. You've just heard from John Addison and Ashley Warsh at the International Markets and Business Development Team at the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Did you know that Colorado exports more than $2 billion of food products annually? If you'd like to learn more about how they can help your Colorado produce food brand or company with exporting, they can be reached at ag.colorado.gov or by going to the Food Chat website at foodchat.us and clicking on the link for this show and how to export your food products. Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring that turn from green to bad harvest.
this honey Pull one up for the banker downtown They got him on his feet with handshake of money Here's to the farmer's wife That loves him every night Raising a son, raising a daughter They gather around the table, send it up to the father Somehow they get closer when times get harder Here's to the farmer Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.